I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. What do people say about farming as a profession in China? Low, <laughs> very lowly. My dad grew up in a farming village not far away from Beijing. Farming is something you want to get away from. It's not something you embrace. Farmers have no status, no medical care. It's a very undesirable life. This is Swin Shan and her husband, Li Bo. If you actually want to describe someone as stupid, you would actually call them farmer. You are a farmer. Pretty harsh. In China, even though we usually hear about big urban centers like Beijing or Shanghai, more than half of the country's land is devoted to agriculture. These farming villages are some of the poorest communities. And for decades, millions of people have left them for cities, searching for a better life with higher wages and less backbreaking work. The kinds of lives Swin Shan and Liboa had, where they worked with nature, not as farmers, but as white-collar environmentalists. I was the co-founder of a nonprofit organization working on nature conservation and environmental issues. My last job was uh, to manage an environment organization called Friends of Nature in Beijing. But Swin Shan and Liboa saw a different future. Upon coming to Canada, we said to ourselves, let's really look within, look inside and say, what can we do with our own hands and heart? How we want the world to be? Can we make our family be that place? They'd come halfway around the world to figure out this new life. And then they'd have to explain it to their families back home. I'm AC Rowe, and this is The Doc Project. CBC Ottawa reporter Jennifer Chen will take us back to the beginning. Sun and Li Bo grew up in different parts of China, one in the city and the other in the mountains. But from the start, they both remember having an early connection with nature. Uh, I grew up as a typical city girl. My home was, uh, Beijing was expanding, so we moved many times. I am a single child, like many others in my school, in my class, uh, where the single child generation. I was lucky I didn't have siblings, but I like to play in nature. In the 80s, when I was in uh, elementary school, Beijing was still quite unpolluted. It was the sky was blue. The sunset was beautiful. We had the Forbidden City not far away from our home. So I really learned to love nature on my walk to school and back. I would see a lot of trees, a lot of plants, try to identify them. 
She remembers her walks, full of discovery, and field trips to the mountains. And in particular, the spring flowers stand out for her. It was a sign that the long Beijing winter was coming to an end. When spring comes, there are these flowers, and they're the flowers who bloom first. One of them in Chinese is called Yingchunhua, that is to welcome spring flowers. This is a little yellow uh, flower in the family of honeysuckles, and they are so brilliant. And when they come, it's just such a reprieve from all of those gray winter months. And when I Learned their names and learned sort of their their family, their genus. It was just you know a really. It's like a little secret you share with the world. I know you. You're my friend, and I try to learn everything about you. Not just how you're so pretty, but I also know your place in the world. As for Li Bo, he moved a lot, but his parents always tried to put aside a bit of land to grow vegetables. I、uh, grew up in、uh, Dali of Yunnan Province,、uh, Southwest China. My parents they did only one job all their life,、uh, which was building hydropower stations. So they were stationed in different parts of the mountains and building tunnels and、uh, um, after tunnels. And so we were traveling with them.、Um, I have two younger sisters. Our childhood was full of、uh, mountains, rivers, yeah, good nature, and、uh, we often time hike in the mountains to look for wild mushrooms and、uh, wild vegetables.、Uh, my parents have to travel quite a bit.、Uh, once they finish one small project of the hydropower, they have to move to the next、uh, section of the tunnel. So that means we are oftentimes very far away from any major towns, and、uh, the food supply could be difficult. If you want to have anything fresh, the primary reasons、uh, my dad would、uh, like all the other people working in the the hydropower, they would、um, try to claim a bit of land、uh, here and there. Usually in the corners or by the roadside or by the riverside, and to grow vegetables、uh, themselves in their spare time, and、uh, so I grew up、um, watching my my parents doing that. The first time when I saw、um, pumpkin seed sprouted out of the soil, and、uh, See the young seedlings, and that was、uh, pretty amazing to me. And that probably was the first seed、uh, for me to to see environment. The environment would become a passion for Li Bo, though he didn't initially plan on getting his hands dirty. Teachers or parents, well, they all teach you to value office job and、uh, looking down upon people who don't work in the office and they have to use their hand. It is hard work, very very little protection, socially, like being an elderly farmer just paints a very grim picture. 
in my mind when I grew up. So when Swin San went to university, farming wasn't on her list of possible careers. She chose biology at Peking University, one of the top schools in the country. It was not exactly my thing because it's all very theoretical. It was very sciencey, but we didn't have other choices. Afterwards, Swin San decided to pursue graduate studies at George Mason University in Washington D.C. Part of my wanting to go overseas. Was a combination of learning more about ecology, about nature, about protecting nature, but also there is a earning of wanting to learn the world and sort of grapple with all of those unsettled emotions that comes from a vastly changing society. Li Bo also felt the pull overseas. After he graduated with a literature and anthropology degree at Kunming University, he landed at Cornell University in 1998 to study natural resource management. After their studies, both Li Bo and Swin San returned to China, where the two eventually met because of a shared commitment to conservation. We both worked for Conservation International and got to know each other. That's how we became a family. I just had finished a tour in Yunnan with a group of primatologists,、uh, you know, going to the very remote corners of of the, of the mountains, looking at some of the very rare and endangered species of monkeys, and so that's where Li Bo is from. So I have established this affinity, loving that corner of China, and for the first time, really experience wilderness. At that time, in the early 2000s, environmental nonprofit organizations were just building momentum in China, which meant that much of Li Bo and Sun Sun's work was uncharted territory. Fast forward to 2008, the year of the Beijing Olympics and the birth of their son Jerry. They'd been working in research and conservation for a few years, fighting an uphill battle with industrialization and pollution. We lived in a high-rise building, like most people are in Beijing these days. We're on the 20th floor, and we overlook both the Olympics Park. And also the the pollution. So our window faces southwards. It faces the center of Beijing. Every morning on a good day, with the dawn breaking, you see like this whole smog coming up from the center of Beijing. Our son was born in the year the Beijing Olympic was held, and the air pollution became so serious. Occasionally, I heard、um, our son. Jerry coughed in the middle of the night, like a classic senior lung cancer patient. So it was、um, a sense of failure, you know. That's when they started seriously talking about a life somewhere else. We 
did our best. We both felt in our two separate organizations, being a member of the civil society, to try to do our part. But the kind of exhaustion was just beyond imagination. Because no matter how hard we try, air pollution is getting worse and worse. Somehow, I have this, I have this image in my head about Canada, about the boreal forest, about the, the the snow, and somehow it just links to my childhood memory of just being peaceful and being just accepted and 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 healed. Neither had visited Canada, but they took a leap of faith and applied to immigrate as skilled workers. Six years later, they were accepted. We landed in Toronto in March 2014, and we got our driver's license and things like that. And we rented a car and then went to rural Ontario <laughs> and stayed there. It was、uh, such a shock. Friends offered them a place to stay in the small farming community of Mild May, about an hour northwest of Guelph. We finished. Our、um, paperwork in Toronto, and I remember going to one of the immigration services place, and I we needed to fill in an address. So I filled in this house address in Mild May, and a guy looked at me and said, "Where is that?" And I told him and said, "So you came a week, and you are going to a place I didn't even know." <laughs> and we were very embrace embraceive of the idea of just going to a sort of off the beaten path. Place we know all about cities. We lived. I lived my whole life in cities.、Uh, cities are wonderful, but we wanted more peace. And you know, a week later, we found ourselves in this tiny community in rural Ontario, where there is a school nearby. We felt that having probably, I would say, one of the very few visibly different people in that village, we felt、uh, welcomed. As they adapted to their new surroundings, spring arrived and the snow melted. Flowers start to come out, and that was、um, pretty intriguing. I guess from that time, that moment, my early childhood、uh, gardening、uh, memory kind of、uh, awakened. We started to look around, drive around, and see the farming communities and just fields and fields of、uh, land, and, and and it's wide open, and it's very different from Chinese farming rural area. So the two of us sort of danced around the idea. We, we didn't really discuss and made a plan per se. I didn't know that I wanted. To do farming, if you ask me, in the first year since we came, I probably would say I wanted to find a niche that connecting me with、uh, the nonprofit sectors in Canada. But then gradually, that idea just fade fade away. What urged us to go this direction was. We already knew what we didn't want to become. We didn't what we didn't want to do. 
We didn't want to stare into a computer all day long. We didn't want to, you know, talk, talk, talk. We wanted to, to really do things, really use hands because that's peaceful and that is healing. An older retired farming couple offered their land for Swin Sun and Li Bo to give it a go. And so they set to work learning how to farm in Canada, because while Swinson and Libo had extensive studies in the environment, farming was new to them. The first year we were very like by the book, and so Libo put these beds like so straight, and it's all very much you know you look at a picture on a <laughs> ecological.、Um, there are se- several famous books out there. You look at picture, and you're like, okay, I want my garden to be just like that. So you try to replicate those gardens, and then as you do it, because the、uh, land we work we were working on lay fallow for a couple of years, it it's both a little bit lack of nutrients and full of weeds. You work very hard, you try to grow your seeds, but then three days later you come back, the weeds would take over. But the closer Swinson looked, the more she realized these weeds were actually familiar friends. And then we sort of look at those weeds. Oh, you know, I know that one. That is lambscotter. I grew up eating that in in dumplings, and that is dandelion. It's said to have very good medicinal value. So I did feel like the weeds taught us a lesson. Those so-called weeds, some that were plants often eaten in China, intrigued Swinson. I, being the botanist, <laughs> identified every single weed and. Had learned so much. How did dandelion come to North America? What、uh, plants are indigenous, and what are what are native plants? What are、uh, plants that brought over by settlers? And I found out that the Mayflower, like people, brought dandelion to North America on purpose because they enjoyed eating them, and they are very very easy to grow. So, like you, through. These weeds, you not only learn about soil biology, you know how how did dandelion be able to access that deep wealth of nutrients while your <laughs> lettuce couldn't. You also learn about the history of the land, what plants were used by whom and why, and we started incorporating them in our salad. That unique blend of weeds and other mixed greens ended up becoming a signature for the farmers. They call it their diversity salad. But while some plants, like lamb's quarter, were the same in Canada and China, there were other foods that Swinson and Li Bo couldn't get. We lived in Bruce County, where we couldn't buy kimchi, for example. We couldn't buy other fermented veggies that we grew up eating. We made a point at the time to homestead. We didn't want to, you know, drive three and a half hours to go to Toronto to go to an Asian grocer to get that stuff. So we started making our own, and they're delicious. We didn't know how to make them, but sort of you see your mom how your mom makes it. it Does it shouldn't be too complicated? So the first time we brought our kimchi to the market, and the second week people actually came back and said. That is the best kimchi I have ever had. I don't know how, you know, how much kimchi they've had and from where, but we were like, wow. <laughs> As they got the hang of farming, they added in other vegetables that are less commonly grown here, like、um, 
garlic chai. Garlic chai, I understand local people also grow, but mostly it's a, like an ornament in their flower garden. But for us, it's a very important herb in fermented food. And also the root is good.、Uh, it's good to eat. And also the seeds are also very unique addition to fermented food. And other crops like uh, uh, napa, cabbage.、Uh, napa is not particularly good in this climate, but because it's、uh, a traditional culture, we want to grow. And the kale, we also use kale to substitute、uh, cabbage when it comes to ferment,、uh, which is quite a pleasant surprise. After a couple of years in Bruce County, Swinson and Li Bo moved their family to Ottawa and found a new home at the Just Food Community Farm in Blackburn Hamlet. It's a nonprofit that gives small scale agricultural entrepreneurs the chance to access support and lease land at a reduced cost. They call their little farm on one acre of land Chi Garden, and they've continued their work growing and experimenting, bringing diversity into the food offering in the city. They also found work to help support the family. Swinson is a community coordinator for Just Food Farm and a translator. The couple also wanted to bring their environmental convictions to the work they were doing. Li Bo says he knew he wanted to leave a light footprint on the earth with no heavy machines and minimal weeding. So, those ideas are just very dear to what I feel、um, about、uh, gardening. What do your families back in China say about your decision to become farmers? I don't exactly know. I don't think they've ever like, sat us down and talked to us about it. It's a subject that is a little subtle.、Uh, given what I have told you earlier about, you know,、uh, Education system value,、um, indoor professions rather than those,、uh, you know, farming jobs. And I don't want them to think that、uh, I am suffering because I'm doing gardening.、Um, but also, I don't want to mislead them that. Farming is a lucrative job that I chose to land. So they are concerned, I guess,、uh, particularly my dad. In his mind, he probably f e e l that we chose to go to a developed country, but ended up in a bad situation. And we gave up a lot of good opportunities、uh, in China and、uh, come here to suffer a little bit. But、um, I think ultimately it comes down to whether we are happy or not.、Uh, so I'm trying to, I guess,、uh, give him an idea that I live a happy life here. It's,、um, it's a little.、Uh, Contradictory. I guess they are worried in terms of、uh, they 
probably think that we will not be able to feed ourselves. So uh, occasionally, I guess both parents have expressed, um, do you need help financially? Things like that. Recently, Swinson finally decided it was time to have a conversation with her parents about her choice to farm. Hello. Swinson asks what her mother's reaction was when she first learned that she was planning to farm in Canada. Her mother says, I felt that you didn't get all this education to land you in farming. At the time, I didn't really understand what you were up to. You studied abroad, and now this? Call it vanity if you must, but I felt like I could brag about you and Libua before. Now when they ask, I say, farmers, with a bit of an uneasy feeling. I'm speaking the truth here, not trying to hide anything. I also didn't know how you can make a living by farming. To tell the truth, I was somewhat worried. But six years ago, things started to change when Swinsen's parents came for a visit. Uh, we did things together and cooking together, uh, harvesting and doing the um, fermentation together and trying to really think about how to use that excess uh, chili pepper we can't sell. I think they both loved it, and I really think they both had their doubts, but they both also loved that they were able to make their contribution by coming to Canada, and they, they, don't, they, they both have a tiny bit of language, but not much. But they were able to participate in this authentic rural Canada farming sort of life. You know, if my mom makes something and then I bring it to the market, if my dad helps to harvest, then naturally they form that connection with the community, which was quite fulfilling and very different from how, how I grew up. After that first visit in 2015, Swinson's parents came back in 2017 and then again in 2018. Her mother says, when I did come to visit Canada, I started to feel differently. I started to get it and felt hopeful. I also learned a lot along the way. I am different in how I see things and do things because of it. When you chose to do this, I did feel that it is connected to your education and your perception of the world, the way you describe soil biology, why you chose to farm the way you did. The concept of farming shifted in my mind. The stigma and stereotype of being a farmer changed. You opened a window for me. I feel inspired by your influence. You taught me about what it's like to be a world citizen. I no longer think about your identity and status in a society. This is no longer important. You can farm or go wherever your heart takes you. This path is more important. Sun dad says, your mom has said it all. He says, I was never worried. Of course, I thought that you needed to first settle and make a living. I have always had confidence in you. 
I proudly tell others that my daughter is farming there. You make a living. We are not a family that looks to get super rich or super famous. That is simply not something that we cherish. Happiness is enough. I see that your path has become wider. As long as you live a good life, I am at peace. Sun <laughs> Sen says she is deeply touched by what her parents have to say. Li Bo too has hopes that his parents will gain a better understanding of the life he's chosen to live. They had planned to visit in 2019, but the pandemic has postponed their trip. It's so interesting that after a good round of study, I actually ended up doing something that I learned uh, even before I started school, you know, with what my father taught me. Uh, my parents uh, taught me. I guess um, I should let them know about that. It's not so much of whether they accept or not. Um, I think it's uh, if I am happy or if I find it satisfied. I, I want to frame it this way when, when we have this conversation. And are you optimistic that you can get them to kind of come around to see that you're happy and living a fulfilled life? I think so. I think so. It's just life that they have to have a peace with themselves and uh, I'll have peace with myself. Sun and Li Bo have planted some deep roots in Ottawa. You will go like, um, like one foot distance from the stern. It's late fall, and they have gathered a group of volunteers from the community to dig sunchokes at their farm plot on the Just Food Farm in East Ottawa. Yeah, so we want to tell more people about sunchoke, also because you don't find them in grocery stores. This is a native, nutritious everything. I still do not get why it is not a popular crop already. So Exactly. Well, but maybe from now on... Despite the pandemic, many eager workers, including several new Canadians, have come out taking precautions to socially distance and wear their masks. It's an unseasonably warm afternoon, and everyone gets to work. Simona Wagner has brought her two school-aged daughters. Well, I was uh, actually really curious to learn more about the native Canada potato, uh, which I learned from uh, Sunshine. And... Um, it's interesting to know more about the native plants because we don't know enough what grows and how we could be more sustainable using local crops. And I'm happy to be here to learn. And I'm hoping that my girls will be uh, learning a lesson today, yes. This is the good event. I, it is amazing. So this crop is a new, because I never seen that before in my country, back home in Africa. So it's amazing. Uh, I'm learning. You know, a farmer is somebody who learns every day. So I'm learning according to the climate. She's really an educator. She teaches a lot of people. People see the plants, they ask her what's the name, and uh, she taught people, like, you, if you pick up things, you should do that in a responsible way, not <laughs> just harm the nature and... Uh, like if you pick mushroom, you shouldn't pick all of them. I really admire them. Sun Sen is from the top university. She just uh, decided to do this, like be humble, 
with nature. It's very, I think, a, a good way to live life. I think community is probably what saves us during a pandemic, um, especially tied to food and something you can share. So I just thought it was great that she was putting this on. I think that they really bring like a, a different flavor to Blackburn uh, and to our community um, farmer's market. I think it's just lovely and her really positive and upbeat uh, passion uh, is contagious. So I really appreciate that as well. Can we make our family be that place that uh, reflects how we would like to see the world? Swinson and Libwa's son, Jerry, is now 12 years old, old enough to help out on the farm. His least favorite thing is picking the greens for their salad on a hot day, but he loves working with the chickens. And he loves cooking, so he had invented a couple of recipes on his own using our farm produce. So we're, we're quite proud of him to, to see how he is using his creativity. And Jerry, one day coming home from a big harvest, we were all exhausted and we're like, what do you have for dinner? And he said, I'll make dinner. And he used a Jerusalem artichoke the same way as his grandma uh, making a Yunnan version of mashed potato. It's called Old Granny Mashed Sanchok. It was delicious. We had that day a one-dish dinner with that and only that. It's, it's one of the memorable <laughs> moments to be so satisfied by both the food and also by this child's creativity and experience using that food. All Chinese family, if you only need to date back uh, one or two generations, would be connected to farming history. So they also have in their cultural genes that farming was somewhat dear to their mind. They just don't want to express that. I'm quite satisfied with this, uh, this new course of life. I've seen my colleagues, my friends who are teaching in universities all their life, or my parents who did one job all their life, and I feel like it's um, quite satisfactory to, to make a detour and find a new circle of people and new issues and especially that connect with uh, my life, my new identity. That doc was produced by Jennifer Chen from CBC Ottawa. It was edited by Allison Cook and made possible with the support of the CBC Doc Mentorship Program. To see Swinshan, Liboa, and Jerry with their sunchokes, head to our website. We're at cbc.ca slash docproject. Coming up, garden therapy. We've got three Edmontonians who get outside to get well. Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very 
incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. At this point, I would wager that it is probably common knowledge that being around trees is good for you. I looked into it, and there is a growing body of research that shows that even just 15 minutes of tree time can decrease your stress, anxiety, feelings of hostility, lift your mental fog, and even lower your blood pressure. My first thought reading this was to hightail it to my closest national park, but then I read on. It turns out while trees get all the glory, they are not the only stress busters. Studies have shown that soil has microbes that reduce stress and act as an antidepressant in humans. So, when looking to feel better, it is a great idea to head for the forest and look up at the trees. But it may be just as effective to take a few steps outside your own front door and dig into the dirt. On my property here at the condo, when you come out, my garden, it looks kind of like the property. So, because I don't have a fence, I have sort of an open uh, deck. And on my deck is all my potted plants. I grow probably a dozen different kind of potted plants. They're all large. And then and then closer to the house, some of the grass fades off and there's some moss uh, growing along the most shaded areas. Um, and behind the moss and sort of interspersed with it, a bunch of uh, lily of the valley come up every year. Um, We have three uh, cedars. Cedars and a big long row of vining tomatoes that, you know, reach halfway up the side of the house. Um, And in the back, we have some dogwoods and some hydrangeas and... A little rose bush that I'm managing to keep alive, even though it's not quite in the right spot. That's Naomi, Eric, and Sherry. They don't know each other, but they have something in common. They all tend to their mental health by tending to their gardens. I feel connected to my mom when I'm in the garden. I had never thought about gardening um, really at all. I was traveling and working abroad and Um, settled down with my partner sort of later in life. I was in my late 30s and we bought a house and then suddenly I was presented with this wide open space and my mom just started making suggestions and buying me plants and over time um, I guess I, I adopted the same passion for it that she always had. My name's Sherry Ritchie. I've been an amateur gardener for about 20 years, thanks to my mother. Um, It's probably one of the best things that she's given me. My mom, Linda, she was a passionate gardener when they moved out to the farm. Um, It was a 
a house that was built in the 30s that was in the same shape that it was in from the 30s. So it needed a lot of work. And the yard was, you know, sort of unmanicured with chickens running all over. Um, and mom turned it into this beautiful, beautiful oasis over all of the years that they were out there. My mother was, uh, she worked her whole life, raised three kids, um, very busy woman. Um, husband was a farmer, my dad, Ron. Husband was a farmer, but also he worked full-time for the telephone system. So um, there was a lot on their plates as uh, a young married couple and with a family and so a great number of demands on her time. And there was a huge, huge yard on this farm. And I think besides the, the perennial garden, um, one of mom's greatest pleasures was getting on the riding mower and just cutting the grass for hours and hours. And um, I never really understood as a young woman what, you know, what's the, why she took so much pleasure in it. And it was her escape. It was a place to go uh, where she didn't have to worry about homework, figure skates, 4-H. So for her, it was like a place to go to be able to relax, just to sit on the riding mower, listen to music, and just ride in circles around the yard. It was a peaceful place, and it was a place where she was able to have impact and agency, whereas, you know, in life we're not always able to do that. My mom was uh, 63 when she was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. Um, and with that, I mean, Alzheimer's is a terrible disease, um, but the early onset form is particularly vicious. And so her decline was very rapid. By the second year of, of her illness, I could see a difference when she was out in the garden. I'm sitting on, on, the, on the deck, looking past the pond, and um, Mum is out walking through her perennials. And I can see her thinking, um, like she's wondering what it is she should be doing. And she will bend over and she pulls up a weed, takes a few steps, she looks around, and I'm realizing that she she isn't remembering exactly what she should be doing out there. Um, and it's very sad. But I can see that that's where she wants to be. She wants to be out in her garden. And it, regardless of how hard that is, she, um, she's comforted by being there. So I, I go out and I, um, and I walk with her and we pull weeds and we deadhead flowers and we talk about the lilies and we talk about the peonies. For 
all of my life, I've I've kind of had an ongoing issue with feeling like I belong anywhere. There's always been the sense for me that um, if I'm with a group of friends, they might be having a better time if I wasn't there. If I'm at a party, it might be more fun if I wasn't there. If I'm at a job, it might be uh, there might be somebody who'd be better suited to the position. And I've always felt a little on the outside of everything. And it's not for the fault of friends or family or anything like that. I, uh, I, I've always felt a little bit isolated and disconnected from the world around me, which is um, one of the wonderful things about gardening. <laughs> Hello, I'm Eric Borowski, he, him. I'm a, a novice gardener. Um, I only been doing it for a couple years. Um, don't have that green of a thumb yet, but I, I, I love it so far. Plants don't ask much of me. Um, <laughs> not that uh, people are necessarily demanding of, of, of me or anything like that. It's just uh, I don't have to worry as much about what's going on uh, in a plant's mind. I know it's it's looking for food and water and to ward off uh, diseases and dangerous in, and uh, um, parasitic insects, and that's just kind of its whole thing. Um, and I, as long as I'm helping it along with one of those, then uh, the plant and I are on good terms. So I, I don't have to worry as much about what the the plant wants i can i can just look it up online and that's that's easy uh, uh people are a little bit more complicated not that i don't uh love people <laughs> but uh they, they can certainly be more complicated than plants sometimes i'm not the most social person um i i have things that i'm interested in and i can uh, talk anybody's ear off about them but um, particularly um, in the case of being at, um, um, say, a, a party or something like that. Unless it's just me and two or three other people, I feel like I shouldn't be there. Like, all these these people um, have... They're all... Like, I know them, my friends. They're all, they're all talented people with a myriad of skills. About the highest praise I can give myself is I'm okay at something, and that's that's about the peak of it. I feel isolated and uh, not worth the time. Uh, uh, time is such a, a precious thing for everybody, but that's the only thing we can't get more of, right? And so that feeling that I am wasting somebody's time by being in their presence is... It hurts. It's something that I've gotten... Um, it's something I still deal with, but it's something I've gotten better at coping with, coming up with different solutions, but it's, it's always there. The nice thing about gardening that I can get into is sometimes when you're feeling really overwhelmed, or you're feeling angry or upset, like you can just go out and fork the dirt and just it's not going to harm anything. It's going to be beneficial to the ground and you don't have to explain anything and you can just fork away and rip out weeds and <laughs> put your energy into that instead of into negative thought processes or negative thinking or unleashing it somewhere else in other destructive ways. It's like positive destruction, I guess.
My name is Naomi Holmstrom, and I am an eclectic gardener. I have found that being outside and being in nature helps to deal with when I call it falling into the well, when I fall down into the deeper parts of the depression. Um, being in nature and with gardening, it helps to bring me back out of that. I myself was diagnosed with major depressive disorder a number of years ago. It's described as having sort of a borderline where you're kind of lower than the average person. And then once in a while, you might drop down into an even lower depression and then come back up to more of a normalized or close to normal feeling of, of not being depressed, I guess. It's a heavy depression. It's not like being constantly depressed. You're kind of low and then get lower and then back up to kind of low. When I'm uh, in, in the deepest part of it, when I drop down into that lower portion, um, I feel it and experience it as exhaustion. Like, I want to get out of bed and I want to do stuff, so then I feel guilty and I start feeling worse because I'm like, I, you know, I need to be doing this, I need to be doing that. And all I want to do is hibernate and stay in my bed in my warm room with dim lights and, you know, warm treats and things like that. And it's a physical exhaustion, actually. During some of my therapy with my psychologist, um, we went over some things that could help for self-care practices, and she happened to ask me what kinds of things I enjoyed doing, and gardening was one of the things that came up. And I said, yeah, I just, I really like it. And she's like, well, let's focus on that. Let's bring that in as a tool to use to help with managing this condition for you. Even though I don't have much space um, to plant in, if I just get out on when I'm feeling low or starting to feel lower, if I go out and, you know, put my hands in the dirt, if I go play in the dirt, I call it playing in the dirt. If I go out and play in the dirt, it kind of brings back some of those good feelings of being in the sunshine and, and having a good feeling. And that often will help bring me back out of, you know, if I'm feeling overwhelmed or starting to feel the depressive symptoms again. Gardening has helped my mental health by, uh, I think, most fundamentally making me feel like I'm, I'm connected to nature and to the world around me in some way. I, I never feel unwelcome in my garden. Putting something in the soil, giving it water, making sure it's in the right position, um, uh, making sure that there's something supplying nutrients in the soil, uh, that's, that's my part. And seeing the way that other plants interact with those plants um, and how the insects um, go from plant to plant and everything has its sort of place. There's, I don't know if there's harmony, but everything has its, its place and its role in this sort of environment that we're doing and feeling that I have my place and role in this, uh, making this garden look nice is it's a nice feeling it makes me feel connected there's a comfort and a connection that i have when i'm when i'm gardening 
I can hear my mom talking to me when I'm in the garden. I can, I can hear her telling me what to expect from the ligularia. When she bought one for me at the greenhouse, she says, you know, the, the leaves are going to wilt in the middle of the afternoon. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't panic. The garden gives me relief because when I'm out there, I'm remembering mom in her garden. I'm remembering our trips to the greenhouse. And so it, it's giving my mother back to me before she was sick. So I'm really looking forward to this summer. The perfect gardening day would be lots of sunshine, but not too hot. Hot, but cool. A tiny bit of a breeze because working with dirt, you don't want wind, but you want a little bit to get the cool air. Preparing the soil, you know, getting all the dirt. Dirt on my jeans. Watch the insects fly by doing their thing. Watching uh, bumblebees um, collect pollen from the the flowers. Um, watch dragonflies zip from here and there in the yard. And I could just smell the fresh fragrance of the flowers. Take a, a deep breath. And, and then, you know, finishing all the deadheading, maybe um, in the morning pulling in some lettuce, some greens, picking some tomatoes. Later in the day when it's cooled off, going back out and watering. Watering, and then the cleanup afterwards. My favorite part of gardening is the after effect. So when I sit down and I'm tired and sore from having spent four or five hours outside, and I sit there with a tall glass of iced tea in the sunshine. Hands covered in dirt. Finishing the day out in the yard with my husband, just sitting on the deck. Looking at all the new plants I've just planted, and the little bees and the little flies and little things that are going to start coming in soon to check it out and say, oh, what have you planted here? Just so that I can do it the next day again. That duck was produced by Tanera McLean. It was edited by Sherry OKK. For the past week, the Doc Project team has been sharing photos of the green spaces in our lives. From producer Tanera McLean's incomparable serenity garden to my shriveled houseplant. We've posted them all on our Facebook page where you can share photos and stories of your own efforts to grow stuff. And keep it alive. We're at facebook.com slash docprojectcbc. Also, make sure to like us while you're there. We're going to be making a photosynthesis photo collage of everything you send us and sharing that later this week. That's all for us. The Doc Project is produced by Tanera McLean, Allison Cook, Sherry Okeke, Kent Hoffman, and me. Althea Manassin is our digital producer. Our senior producer is Jennifer Warren, And our executive producer is Joan Melanson. I'm A.C. Rowe. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.